0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples set out for Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. When they saw him, they fell down before him, Though some hesitated. Jesus came up and spoke to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. And know that I am with you always, yes, to the end of time. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel passage that I've just read comes at the end of the Gospel of St. Matthew, and unlike the Gospel of St. Luke and its appendix, the Acts of the Apostles, it does not mention the event of the Ascension of our Lord. We have the first reading from Acts to provide us the details of this event. St. Matthew, on the other hand, ends his Gospel by focusing on the action of our Lord commissioning his disciples and records his words in this regard. This passage is popularly known among Protestants and Catholics who have also gotten used to the name as the Great Commission. Though there is nothing essentially wrong with this term, it would appear that its use comes quite late in Christian history, even among the Protestants. Rather than be distracted by the debate over its proper name, I think it is far more important to look at our lectionary selection for today. The readings for this feast can be summarized in three words, authority, mission, and presence. Authority is one of those words that usually creates an instant emotional reaction in some folks' fear and distrust, in others' safety and order. While the Lord Jesus was the image of love and gentleness, today he claims that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. The mention of heaven and earth is a shorthand which means everything, all. So when our Lord told his disciples this, he was claiming something that no other mortal, even the greatest emperor or king, could claim. His authority is absolute. But our Lord's claim was not just that he possessed an authority and could exercise a power that was above and beyond every human authority and sovereignty, but it was also a divine claim. Authority is attributed to God, the Father. It is his very nature. Authority alludes to the deity's right to command and enforce obedience. It is God who can rightfully and exclusively claim that he possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. Throughout his earthly life and public ministry, our Lord showed that he had authority over demons, sickness, death, and the wild forces of nature. But one could question the limits of his authority when he was arrested, sentenced, and executed. His authority seemed to have stopped here. But the resurrection proved that even here, our Lord's authority was not circumscribed by human authority. Today there is a tension and battle raging between human authority and divine authority. If human authority is subject to divine authority and obeys the dictates of the latter, there is no issue because there is no conflict, for to obey human authority in such an instance would be to obey divine authority. But a problem arises when there is a conflict between human authority and that of gods, that is when governments... Associations, leaders, parents command us to disobey God, which is in essence ordering us to sin. Then we must echo the words of St. Peter, We must obey God rather than men. God's authority must always take priority, even if it means we would have to disobey civil and human authority, including going against our own wishes. The authority which the Lord exercises is the basis of what follows. He has given us a mission. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. There are three parts to this commission and each part is essential to the mission of the Church and every Christian. These are non-negotiable. We are called to make disciples of all nations, in other words, that we have a duty to lead others to Christ and make them his followers. <clears throat> the simplicity of the words betray their gravity. In today's multicultural world, many of us ignore or shy away from its commission for fear that we will be regarded as intolerant or even militant in terms of religious convictions. Political correctness demands that we respect others by not imposing our views on them, but the call to evangelize is not one which is coercive. We are asked to we are not asked to point a gun to the head of the person and force them to believe what we believe. Rather, evangelization is a call to be attractive or to be more accurate to make our faith more attractive. For our faith to be attractive, our public witness of the faith must be consistent with our actions, our words must be credible, and our practice of the faith must be filled with joy and enthusiasm. But evangelization does not stop with just preaching the gospel in words and deeds. It must also lead to conversion and baptism, insertion into the mystical body of Christ, which is the Church. Baptism is the only first step after evangelization. What follows must be catechesis. We will need to teach them to observe all the commands the Lord has given us. And this is a lifetime's project, and not just confined to Sunday school for children and teenagers. Finally, our Lord Jesus ends the Great Commission by assuring the disciples that he will be with them every step of the way as they embark on his journey of declaring and discipling. This is a great paradox of this event. Our Lord's physical and bodily departure would result in his return in sacramental form. He will continue to be present in, through, and to his church, not in a purely symbolic way, but in a manner which is true, real, substantial, especially in the sacraments. Matthew concludes his gospel in much the same way as he began by reminding us that God has drawn near to us through Jesus. The child called Emmanuel is now the risen Savior who has promised that he will never leave nor forsake his followers. His ascension is not a departure where he distanced himself from us, but rather an insertion of his real presence in the church, where he continues to accompany us, lead us, guide us, and feed us with his own body and blood. And with his ascension, he inaugurates the next part of his grand plan which involves the Holy Spirit. Through his promised Spirit dwelling in them, they would be filled with both the presence and the power of Christ as they spread the gospel message from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. We have been given the sacred privilege of joining Christ in his work, of spreading his name and making his disciples all over the world. And because he sends us out, In the authority of his Father and in the fellowship of his Spirit, we have all we need to obey him wherever he leads. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.